back and read the passages in the context, but we're just going to list some verses, okay, and and just make some points here. Uh, so somebody will read Second uh, Peter one ten. <laughs> Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So that's a, actually a concluding statement. <clears throat> as you hear it, uh, as you hear it read there, it's actually a, a concluding statement. But uh, those are two different words, and so there is really a difference in, in that. But they are linked. Okay, and in fact, <clears throat> election and calling are. are two different sides of the same coin. And we'll try and weave that story together as we move along. Um, if, uh, you know, last week we began and several people were, you know, playing with their iPhones and we didn't start this week that way. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, so these are, you know, this this little device on my hip here pretty much rules my life. Okay, I've got a, uh, on my iPhone I've got a VIP list and a different chime and so the people that change my schedule are on that list. Okay, so I know I got to look at it. Okay, so that's my wife and 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 the staff over here in Tyler and the staff over in Longview. Okay, so when that goes ding, I know something has happened that 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 I need to I really need to look at because I may need to show up someplace different. All right. So most of us though, <clears throat> apart from the modern uses of the phone, when cell phones first came out, you know. That phone starts to ring. You're on electronic tether now. That phone starts to ring, and what's your first question? Wonder who's calling. Okay. So the idea here is simply simply this. You know, there is no calling without a caller. And so when we when we think about it in terms of just our our, our vocation, and that's broader than occupation. And we, we talked a little bit definitionally, and we'll, we'll, we'll look back and, and talk about that. But, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, you can't have a calling without a caller. Okay. And the same God that calls us to himself calls us into the world. Okay. So, uh, under number five here on your sheet, um, most of this is from Oz giving us the call. And, uh, um, so he's got a great definition here for, for our calling. And so calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion, dynamism, and direction lived out as a response to a summons for, uh, and service. So, pretty good definition if you think about it. Is is there anything left out in that? I think he meant and meant it to be fairly inclusive. So, do you see anything that he left out in that? I'm going to close with a a quote from Abraham Kuyper in a moment, but I think the intent is nothing is left out in, or you know, the intent is nothing is left out there. So, <clears throat> Guinness also says that calling is primary and secondary components. And so, um, our primary calling is 
by him, to him, and for him. Okay. So, <clears throat> what what we have to say is is there is a calling, there is a caller, and first of all, it is to him. Secondary calling uh, is is just looking and saying, if God is who we understand Him to be, He is sovereign. <clears throat> then everyone, everywhere, and everything should think, speak, live, and act entirely for him. Okay? So it's meant to be all-encompassing. So election and calling are two sides of the same coin. And one of the things, and one of the reasons that Guinness makes this distinction about calling, is that there's ways to get that out of balance. Okay? And part of what I was sharing with you in terms of just, uh, you know, uh, the rug being pulled out from under me in, in, a, in a job situation is, uh, you know, when when you feel you you've been brought back home, uh, there were some circumstances uh, when you've been brought back home, um, and you know God's God's clearly just opened that door. Okay, um, you know you uh, you said, well, okay, what's going on? So it's a lot of reflection and a lot of introspection, <clears throat> and uh, so. Uh, and I look, I looked at, you know, the stops along the way that way. But the, the longer I live, the more I understand that, in so many subtle ways, um, I've tried to grab the rain. and that's one of the issues in terms of distortions here. Okay, so the challenges uh, are, you know, you hold the primary and secondary columns together. You don't divide them, and you keep them in the first order: primary and secondary. Okay, and so we'll cover that a little more here as we talk about the, the history, but um, let's just push the pause button and just talk for a moment about how Luther used an idea of vocation, because this is something we really do need to go back and recover. It's a pretty, it's a pretty solid uh, viewpoint. So we, we talked about that last, last week. <clears throat> So, in the Catholic Church, the medieval church at that time, uh, their view was that only the clergy had a call. And so, Luther was the first to really use the term calling, vocatio in Latin, for secular occupations. And secular, secular, I'm going to define here in a slightly different way. A lot of times people say, well, okay, you like this is sacred music, this is secular music, okay? Right. Um, <clears throat> we're going to use secular in this sense, that it's anything not structurally related to the church, okay? It's any endeavor not structurally related to the church. So what I'm really saying, though, it, but, but clearly what we're, what we're working on here and, and uh, you know, nibbling around is God is sovereign over all of that as well, okay? So we are greatly if we, we divide it. That was the, the context though, that Luther found himself in, was this division where um, only the church had a calling. Okay? Only those, the priests, the nuns, you know, uh, those in monastic service, the monks, um, they were the only ones that were called, and everybody else was just kind of out there. Okay? And of course, part of that was then that the message only came through the clergy. You were dependent on the church. Okay. You were dependent on the church. 
And so <clears throat> Luther came in and said, you know what, every one of these occupations um, is, is a calling of God, and it's God's grace moving in and through all occupations, all callings. And so here's a quote here. God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkman. Okay. Um, so the idea is simply this. You know, you can you can look and you can say, well, <clears throat> God can surely give me my daily bread by miraculous means, like the manna in the wilderness. But more than likely, he's going to give it to me through farmers, millers, and bakers. Okay. But it's nonetheless his provision for me. Okay. So that's a that's an important uh, an important correction uh, that that Luther made. So he referred to um, he, he re referred to what we would say is secular callings. Okay. Those those occupations and jobs not structurally related to the to the church. Uh, as the mass of God. In other words, God is behind that person providing those things. Okay. And <clears throat> that's true even if that person is is not a believer. That is still God's provision to us. Okay. And we're not going to camp on that a whole lot. We're going to go around on this. So that's a great segue then just to kind of look. I've already talked about this. So the Catholic distortion. <clears throat> this is, you know, pre-Reformation. Catholic distortion of primary and secondary calling is that the spiritual work is exclusively done by priests, only the clergy have a call, okay? So that was a false dichotomy of the, you know, the primary and secondary <coughs> callings. And uh, so um, one of the things to ask, you see the question here, uh, is uh, do we see that distortion today? Okay, do we look around and say... Um, you know, well, it's it's really more worthy to be a pastor or a missionary than it is to be a plumber or a brick mason. The tendency is for yes, we, we do think that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is, and you know, and so um, again, this more fully developed view of vocation. You know, really says that hey, regardless of the station in life, or the standing, the occupation—that's the term Luther used. Okay, um, it is nonetheless a calling. Um, so, and clearly, I mean, you could <clears throat> you could make this argument from a lot of different ways, but in the current framework, you know, if if everyone, you know, um, went. You know, decided, hey, I've got to be a cross-cultural missionary and got to go to Africa. Okay, how would all that be funded? Okay, so clearly uh, there are those who go and there are those who hold rope for those who go. And and it's not a matter of one being more worthy than the other. Okay, but it is a matter of really understanding what God is calling you to do. All right, <clears throat> so the medieval church had this idea that, you know, there was this category of work to the spiritual work, and only the clergy uh, really had a, had a, uh, a calling. Um, so Luther came in and, and basically said, hey, 
Um, you know, all work has dignity. All work, um, even what we would say secular, and it's a slippery term, it's not a great term, uh, secular work um, is, is worthy. And so um, that was a recapturing and a, and a better understanding. So here's the outward. And some of it, you know, then is, uh, we're, like I said, brief history. What we're doing is we're leaving out large chunks of things and just emphasizing things. So sometimes that's, <clears throat> sometimes that's dangerous. And so, you know, go back and look at some of the things I'm talking about here because you want to see it in context. I'm trying to put it in context. So fast forward, uh, we're crossing the Atlantic now. And uh, so we have, we have the Puritans who were good Reformation folks in the sense that they understood uh, the tenets of the Reformation. And they had um, a very high view of work and an understanding uh, that, that Luther provided of calling. And uh, so they were very diligent with their work, all phases of their work, which is good, that's as it should be. Um, but the outworking of that in secular society over time, uh, for, you know, produced what we often call the Protestant work ethic. Okay, and <clears throat> what that was uh, was sort of a tilt towards elevating work itself. Okay, and so that also gets it out of balance. Of course, just it's just as wrong to elevate secondary over primary calling. Okay, and that's one of the tendencies of our modern society is to look at that. That's part of the reason we have conceptions about, you know, more worthy occupations than others. Okay, um, so Max Weber, um, historian, um, uh, venerated historian, <clears throat> uh, don't agree with everything, but basically he he coined the term. Uh, the the Puritan ethic, the, the work ethic, um, in um, not in the early 1900s, 1904, and um, a lot of people trace the development of what we call modern capitalism uh, to to notions coming out of um, that work ethic. Okay, capitalism in itself is not bad; it, it's delivered to us a quality of life that that you know, most of the world dreams of. At the same time, if you look around, you say, you know, most of you may look and say, well, you know, historically our, our nation does have roots that are that are anchored in faith, and yet there's very little evidence of it, you know, in our culture, external culture. Talk a little more about that. In fact, you know, capitalism has uh, unrestrained has uh, you know some problems in. If everything is about the almighty dollar, you've heard that term, okay, almighty dollar. What's the only almighty you know? See, that it's right there in the vernacular. It's right there in the, you know, the, the trite sayings we have, okay. That's secondary above primary, isn't it? There is, there is only one secondary. So, and it's not the dollar, okay. It's, it's God himself. So, if you look... Back at Europe, in fact, uh, the, the Vaterland, um, the, the place where Luther um, 
you know, began the Protestant Reformation. Uh, fast forward into the, the 30s and 40s, and uh, we see uh, Hitler uh, taking power, and <clears throat> it was a very distorted view of, uh, of ethnicity and the Aryan race and so forth. Uh, setting up what is called, uh, what was euphemistically called the final solution, the, the, um, the concentration camps. And so <clears throat> um, the interesting thing is, and, and uh, you know, this is the outworking, this is the godless outworking of, of reversing primary and secondary call and, and uh, you know, uh, over uh, over the gates of Auschwitz and several other concentration camps, but most famously Auschwitz, Arbeit, uh, Arbeit macht frei, okay, work makes free. Our freedom is in Christ, not in work. Okay. And, and so you just have to look, you know, that's a brief history, just kind of picking up some quick points, but um, you, you have to understand that the modern world will tilt to to emphasize the economic gain and the economic value of things and the intrinsic value of work. Okay. That's not the biblical view of work. Okay. But that's that's what the culture dishes out. Right. So <clears throat> there is um, another uh, another subtle shift here if you just look at what, what most philosophers call secularization. And what that's saying is <clears throat> if you remove God totally from the picture, okay, um, you know, the interesting thing is, is if, you, if you go back and read about uh, the Third Reich uh, in you know, Nazi Germany, um, there was a fair amount of, of um, at least early on, a fair amount of, of um, power still wielded by the church and recognition of the church and, and the German people were were very religious despite the fact that you know their their crazed leader was taking them a completely different and godless direction. So and they didn't like they didn't like the Bolsheviks okay at all. Um, that's why Hitler decided to attack Russia after they you know so you, you look at this, these, these, these trends, these ideas, uh, you know, and, and how they played out. But, so the nuance here is if you completely remove God from the equation in a secular environment, then that tilts towards Marxism. I only, only have value, uh, you, know, for, uh, you know, for my benefit to society. So the state is everything. The society is everything. Okay. And so um, I'm trying to link for you, you know, just some very quickly, and not, not terribly rigorously, but very quickly, the distortions that arise when you when you have an improper view of, of who we are before God. Okay, so <clears throat> um, if you separate work from calling altogether, you know, you end up with Marxism. Socialism uh, and, and its and its worse. So, <clears throat> um, let me just take a quick time uh, and a swallow water. 
those of you who arrived late, one of my Christmas gifts was a virus and hand cold from my, my grandkids. Um, <clears throat> pardon me while I kind of struggle with my voice. So I'm on page uh, page three or four, and I'm, I'm really going to talk down through, you know, in, in detail in what the reformers knew, and we have almost all but forgotten, okay, about work and vocation. So <clears throat> Luther hammered away at the priesthood of all believers, and what he's really saying is, <clears throat> you know what, the ground is level, it's not about clergy and everybody else, okay, uh, clergy are not the only ones who have a call, okay, everyone has a call in their life. And so uh, we we talk about that, but we, we don't we talk about the priesthood of all, all believers. We stand, you know, Christ is our mediator. We we stand, um, you know, without any intermediary between us and God, okay? um, other than Christ. We don't need a church hierarchy and ecclesiolo ecclesiological structure of any kind. Okay? But that was not the medieval view. So Luther. Luther basically talked about the priesthood of all believers. We see that in a in a theological sense, but there is a sense in which it is also true um, <clears throat> from from a vocational standpoint. And, uh, and his his view was was more fully developed than what we recognize when we say priesthood of believers of all believers. So if we have no special special um, niche for clergy, okay, uh, then did, did that do away with pastors and people who, who uh, no, it didn't. So <clears throat> it didn't make everyone into clergy and do away with pastors, but insisted that every kind of work and every role has a sacred call. Right? And so that's why, for, for a lot of reasons, you know, this, it's a false dichotomy to say sac sacred and secular, and that's why I was trying to define secular early on. It's just any, any occupation not structurally related to the church. Okay, we're trying to just say you know it has a currency, you know, but but we don't want to make we don't want to make the error that, that led to some of these distortions. So, um, so a couple of ex of examples then uh, where where Luther just kind of went back through and said you know let's let's really rethink some things. And so the Protestant Reformation was marked by some some tremendous social gains. Yes, yeah. Uh, there, yeah, so, yeah. Anyone else in a similar, similar place? Okay, are there additional copies? Oh, okay. I made about 15, and uh, let me see if I got it. Has everyone got one that, that they at least can click on? And, uh, if you leave here and you don't have a copy and you think enough of the notes that you want a copy, you can just uh, email me. I'll send you the uh, So some, some tremendous social changes, um, you know, for uh, this period of time. So celibacy, uh, so, so the, the clerical orders uh, took a vow of celibacy and they didn't marry. And um, <clears throat> so Luther came back and said, well, look, you know, 
um, scripture did not prohibit marriage for those in religious orders, but in fact held that fathers and mothers were priests and providers. And so that's really kind of how the, the primary and, and secondary calling fit together. Okay. And in fact, vocation itself, as we touched on last week, and I probably didn't drill this week, is really broader than, than occupation. So if you read the scriptures we looked at last week, you know, we're talking about fathers and, and bond servants and you know, husbands and wives. And, and so those are all vocations. Those are all callings. Now, you're not, you're not really going to be paid as your father, okay? Uh, but it is nonetheless a calling, and it has nonetheless, you know, um, duties if you enter into that vocation. Okay. And, uh, grandparenting, uh, you know, it's not mentioned in Scripture, per se, but uh, uh, I found out <clears throat> that, it, that it has lots of, uh, lots of duties that I didn't even imagine. You don't go there. So... <clears throat> Timothy's grandmother Lois, right? Lois? Chloe? Yeah. Chloe? <laughs> well, I mean, it mentions grandmothers, but it doesn't mention, mention you know, Never mind. So Paul, Paul does not, Paul does not, you know, call it out in, in his litanies of, you know, uh, of vocations and callings and, and directives in the church. But, but clearly, uh, right. Timothy's grandmother had a very big influence. In Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Lois. I was just mixing up with the household of Chloe. The household, the household yeah. of Chloe, yeah. Yeah, that's lost. So the other place where, where, Luther, uh, where Luther kind of, uh, you know, made a major correction uh, was in education. And uh, at one point, education was only extended to clergy. And the reason for that was that um, the clergy had to be able to read the Bible. And in fact, our... Our terms for clerk, you know, they kept all the records, the official records, and so forth. So there were, it was all connected to the church, okay. And so clerk came from the cleric, related to clergy. And so if you if you could write, read and write, and do arithmetic, okay, what we what we uh, feel is, is just what you got to learn in primary school here, okay. Um, you know, those kinds of things were not accorded uh, uh, to the common people. Okay? That was reserved for, for the clergy. So um, Luther said education should be extended to all and both men and women. Um, <clears throat> and part of that was so that everyone could read the Word of God. Again, back to uh, you know, this notion all stemming from the priesthood of, of all believers. So the other notion here, uh, you know, that, that was wrapped up in <clears throat> what the reformers knew about vocation and calling is a Latin term, forum deo, before the face of God, literally. And so this is really what, what Os Guinness is highlighting to some degree in his definition of calling, uh, living all of life before the face of God. And this really is in contrast. And again, I'm trying to kind of trying to get you to think about how we how we view things, and where we may subtly need need to tweak our, our viewpoint. Um, we, I think, I know I do. I'm gonna push that off on you. Tend to compartmentalize. Okay. Uh, my life is segmented, and 
and it's true that we may have many roles. Okay? I'm, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a grandfather. Okay? So we can have different roles and different vocations, but <clears throat> if we don't understand the unity of those roles and how they come together, we compartmentalize. So um, it's said of Americans that we work at our play, play at our worship, and worship our work. And so that's out of balance, clearly. Okay. Um, do you agree with that criticism? Do you, do you agree that we compartmentalize things? What, 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 do, we, what do we call someone who, who kind of has this, these partitions in their life and they do one thing in one arena and another thing in another? They have, <laughs> they have a, a Sunday demeanor and they have a rest of the work demeanor. Okay. Well, a few years ago, they were calling that putting God in the box. You put God in the box. That's one term. So, the old archaic term, the one that we find in, in the King James Bible, um, and I didn't really pull the scripture up to see if it's, it still says hypocrites, but that, that has a uh, currency in our, in our current day. So, it's hypocritical. And uh, hypocrisy. I think it's a Greek word, okay, and it just means to wear a mask, not as Luther meant to wear a mask, but uh, to wear a mask. So you can't hide, you, you, you can't hide your true actions behind some kind of a veil or, or covering. So law and gospel, <clears throat> uh, I suspect that Kevin has talked a little bit about law and gospel in here, right? Okay, so... Uh, Luther's viewpoint on vocation was not what we must or should do, the law, the things that, you know, are obedience-based purely, but rather what God does in and through our vocation. So vocation is not another burden placed upon us, uh, just another opportunity to fail, <clears throat> but uh, a place where we can experience God's love and grace working through us despite our failure. So that's a, that's a better view. So um, I think it's worthwhile to, to look at John 17, 14 through 18. And so I'm going to ask someone to uh, look up that scripture and read it. And we're going to lift a couple of key phrases from that real quickly. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world, and more than I am, I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. The word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of references to the world... <clears throat> And uh, the fact that we are in the world, but not of the world. The world here is basically the secular system we see around us. And uh, not related to Satan. Okay? Um, the domain of the evil one, of Satan. Um, <clears throat> but God is in, the, is in the process of redeeming that uh, through his people. So, one of the key phrases there is 
Christ is saying, I have accomplished the work that you have given me. And he also says, just as I was sent into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Okay. The implication, of course, is the work. Just as he worked, we will work. We'll emphasize that here in a moment. Proclaiming who he is. So everything we do should point back to who he is, the person and work of Christ. And so that's the uh, that's the understanding, that's the idea. <clears throat> Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 2. Or 1 and 2, I should say. So, <clears throat> who would read that for us? And you see my whole question here. I'm saying, <clears throat> uh, what's the New Testament word um, that's translated in English Bible as church? You know the word? Ecclesia. Right? And <clears throat> so, and, and there's various forms of that, but basically, it's the called out ones. We're called out. Okay? So, reread the verse, and when you come to church, put in called ones. So, if we were reading it in Greek, all of those roots would be linked, and our English Bible would not, and that's the reason I was trying to do it that way. So, a lot of stuff about call in that. His call to be an apostle. An occupational or stational call, but also a vocational call in the, in the true sense. Okay, So I'm trying to link those things. Right? Um, <clears throat> so that's a proper view of our calling. He was given, he was an apostle to the Gentiles, he was given a call, a special call to do a special thing. All right? And that is a vocational call, but it was first and foremost a call to Christ lived out in the world. Okay. And he's saying to the saints in Corinth, you too are called out. And in fact, your very name, you're the ecclesia. Okay. It puts a slightly different spin on it to, to understand it in, a, in that way. All right, <clears throat> so... I'm moving down uh, <clears throat> towards the bottom of page three, and I'm also looking at the clock here, and we're going to get to the the, uh, the last page, I think. <clears throat> so, part of what I want to emphasize is is no one really chooses their vocation. Uh, 
It's God called. I mean, if you're called of God, yeah. So what does that mean? Does that mean I can't make choices about moving towards a particular vocation? Here's a here's a here's a way to kind of think about that. You know, everything you are. Um, you know, Psalm one thirty nine. God God wove together in your mother's womb. Okay. So He imbued you with every gift, every opportunity, everything you are. Okay. And in that sense, then, as you move towards a vocation, view it as a call. View it as a call. That's the first thing. Um, so, how should we understand that call? Then, uh, <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm gonna, we're not gonna read every one of these verses in, in terms of time. But I want to get to the fourth page uh, because it's sort of a right and wrong way to sort of look at things. So, how should we view our work when we understand it's God's call? Well, we see our work as fellowship with God. In First Corinthians seven twenty four, it really emphasizes. Remain there with God. Don't change your occupation just because God is, you know, God is in your life. All right. So remain there with God. In other words, <clears throat> God can redeem any vocation you're in. Now, if you are called to change vocations, I'm a career changer. I shared that, you know, week one. Um, you you really need to look at that. I made three promises to my wife as, as we moved from engineering to medicine, my wife and two kids. And those three promises were these. <clears throat> the marriage would stay strong, we would not functionally orphan the kids, and we would not go inordinately in debt. If we could do it, you know, that, that was the proper way to do it. And there was a lot of wear and tear. People didn't really... Tell me some of the things I was going to encounter. So when I hear people talking about making major career changes, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I was like, hey, you know, if you're really thinking about doing that, particularly in the medical field, there's a long, long uh, training track. Um, let's go have dinner. I'll pay, you know, and uh, we'll, I'll tell you some things that, that no one else will. It's a lot of relational uh, stretch uh, in those kinds of training. Now, the scriptural injunction is saying, you know, all all occupations, all both vo are vocations, really, okay, viewed in the Christian sense. There is a station or a standing, what you do, but there also is a call, and to recognize that call. So I'm not saying that you know people can't be called out of a secular job into the ministry, or called. Uh, to a mission field, even you know, a pastor deciding, well, I need to be in missions, or someone else from secular mm -hmm. employment being in missions. But you really have to sort that out as a call. Um, what we're doing is subduing, subduing uh, the earth. It goes right back to uh, Genesis. So that is obedience. Work was not part of the curse. What happened was, <clears throat> God was a worker, Adam was a worker before the fall. What changed with the fall is that the earth pushed back. Okay, Now no longer was it working with God and, and participating with God in what he was doing so much as it became now a means of survival. Okay? It was now compulsory. It wasn't compulsory before. God provided. Totally. But it was with work 
that it occurred. So work existed before the fall. Work is not the curse. But the redeemed work, okay, is still subduing the earth. And that's what point two is about. Um, point three is adorning the gospel. So if you're sharing the gospel and you're also a good worker, okay, that adorns the gospel. If you're sharing the gospel and you're spending way too much time at the, at the water fountain, okay, because you think that, hey, you know, and, and not doing your job, that's not a good witness to your, to your co-workers. Okay, so, um, you know, there's lots of stories about that. Touch on another funny story. But your work should adorn the gospel. Whatever you do, okay, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 23. See, our work is provision for our needs. <clears throat> right out of Matthew uh, 6, okay. Uh, this is the scripture, you know, seek first the kingdom of heaven, you know, and all these things shall be added to you. All, this is all these things. Okay. You don't have to think about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, and so forth. All those things will be added. And see our, see our work as an opportunity uh, to give. Okay, So we're encouraged to work so that we can meet needs, and we can then make an offering. Someone's got to hold the rope for those who go into cross-cultural ministry or other kinds of mission or ministry endeavor. And so uh, someone has got to provide. If God provides for you, you give out of your abundance uh, to others who, are, who uh, may need it more in terms of ministry. And that's how the church is supposed to work. And then <clears throat> see our work as, as uh, a web of God-given relationships. And so... Um, First Peter 2 9 is talking about proclaiming the excellencies okay, uh, of God. <clears throat> so at some point, we will get opportunity to proclaim. Um, now, <clears throat> there's the, this, this is ending up here with two, two examples of uh, one how and one how not to uh, proclaim. And so I'm just going to read, uh, read the first one here and then talk, talk just a minute about uh, faith lines. So uh, this is a true story. It's actually in a, uh, I picked it up, uh, cited it by J.D. Greer, but it's out of the best kept secret. So uh, this is how not uh, to begin a faith dialogue, <clears throat> actual, actual uh, thing that happened. Perhaps you heard about the 2004 incident of an American Airlines pilot who in his pre-flight announcements asked all the Christians on board to uh, raise their hands. He then suggested that during the flight, other passengers talk to those about their faith. He also told pastors he'd be happy to talk to anyone who had questions. Understandably, it freaked out a lot of people. The pilot of your airplane talking to you about whether you're ready to meet Jesus. Okay. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's probably the wrong approach. Okay. It's a little humorous, and it was probably very well-intentioned. Okay. I don't know the details of the story, but I suspect it's someone who, who had newfound faith in Christ, and he just, you know, hey, I'm going to use every opportunity. And there, there's something that's completely right about that. This is completely wrong context. Okay. So a better approach is, is akin to faith flags. And uh, I first met this concept. It's, it, uh, there's, there's several other <clears throat> places, uh, several other books and several other materials where you can, you can see the same concept. And actually, the, one of the authors of the material that was developed by the CMDA is now associated with the Faith and Work uh, Institute over at Laterno. I'm interested in William Peel. 
I was looking him up, and that's that's where he ended up landing. The other is a physician by the name of Walt Larimore, uh, who is fairly well known in Christian Medical and Dental Association circles, and, uh, both as the author of, of the Saline Solution. So, those of you with some medical background know that one of the things that you do when people get uh, <clears throat> uh, put in the hospital is you start an IV, and most of the time you're running normal saline. Sometimes you're running something different, but it's often started with normal saline. So it's kind of a it's it's kind of a <clears throat> a little um, uh, play on that. So the saline solution, we're also to be salt and water. So we also fill people's tank with saline, you know, pretty often when you're dehydrated. So anyway, so the saline solution. How to be the saline solution in a medical sense? And <clears throat> the way is through face flaps. A little bit of water here. So some of you may know this, but um, as an occupational physician, I see lots of upper extremity complaints. You know, and uh, people, people hurt themselves at work or whatever, and, and hopefully it's something minor. And so part of, part of what I'm doing is trying to understand whether it's major or minor and where, where that pain is coming from. But there's all sorts of overuse syndromes uh, that can occur. And part of it is just how God built the arm. I mean, I, I'm, that's really true. That's exactly what I say to people. But what it is, is just weaving into my explanation um, a faith flag. It, it, it says unobtrusively to someone, I'm a person of faith. And it's subtle, but it's an invitation to come back and why do you say that? You know, like that. Why do you, you know, you know. And <clears throat> the point being is to be salt and light, um, you, you, you really want. To have to create a hunger, okay. You really want to create uh, an environment in which someone is really asking you. Okay. And even in even in closed countries um, like China, uh, you can't go and evangelize, but if you are asked, you can you can share your faith. And you got to know the right context, but <clears throat> it's a different different story. All right. So here's how faith flags work. Okay, it is literally true that the human hand is a set of pulleys. So if if all the muscles that power the hand had to live in the hand, <clears throat> the hand would be huge and you couldn't get it around anything, particularly to grasp small objects. So if you wiggle your fingers, you can feel your forearm muscles move. So these are long tendons and tendon sleeves. And so um, there are lots of different kinds of ten, uh, tenosynovitis or tendonitis. Uh, depends on what's what's really hurting, but <clears throat> when it's in the first dorsal compartment, because of thumb, there's some accessory muscles in the hand that actually move the thenar thenar muscle. But most of the power of the thumb, okay, is out here. So the bottom line is, uh, if someone has a particular problem and they're hurting in their hand, you know, I'm coming back and saying to them, hey, you know, this is how God built the hand. This is a set of pulleys, okay? So here's what we have to do to get you better, okay? It is an inflammation. It's an inflammation in the tendon, in the tendon sleeve. And, you know, here's, here's how God intended this to heal. Okay. And every culture around the world understands healing, uh, especially that's, that's one of the inroads in terms of the Islamic cultures, understands that as as a divine gift. 
So I'm privileged to be in healthcare and be able to use faith lines this way. There's some books out there, going public with your faith, Bible appeal and Walt Lermore. I didn't put it in here, but it basically is taking the same kind of notions of faith lines and, and putting it out there. That's just a way, a way, not the only way, to proclaim your faith. Um, probably one of the biggest mission fields um, going forward is work. And there are a lot of people talking about missional activity. And I'm going to get a chance to talk about that in January as we do a series uh, you know, on basically how does a church work? How does our church work? So uh, that will be on, on a Sunday night. And I'm looking forward to that. So we'll unpack the word missional and some other things. My conclusion here, again, I've already alluded to this from Abraham Kuyper. And uh, he's a Dutch theologian and prime minister. Okay. Okay. He was prime minister of the Netherlands. And uh, he said, there is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry, this is mine, this belongs to me. And so, you know, we really are sent. We're called out and we're sent. And into every vocation, in the truest sense, that we, we, we find ourselves, parent, husband, wife, okay, or bond servant. As an employee, uh, God is there with us. And understanding life and work in that way is really what Luther restored in his understanding. Uh, and, and we need to go back in that way. Questions? All right, did anyone not get a not get a handout that wants it? I'm going to erase this here or not. I don't want to be spam, I don't want to leave my email address up on the, on the board too long. Okay. Let me pray Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our vocations, Lord. Uh, I thank you that you call us in Christ to participate in, in all of your work in this way. So, Lord, help us look to you. Help us understand both our primary and secondary call in a new and radical way that we might live out our lives together. Coram Deo, before your face. In Christ's name.